there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Twilight Highlight Zone, where we run down classic Twilight Zone episodes. I'm your host this time around. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by... Jeff Quirk. Welcome, Jeff Quirk. How's it going? Pretty good. You I have to say, this episode maybe expanding your definition of classic Twilight Zone episodes <laughs> a little bit. We, we're ramping up the season, though. This is it. This is season it. We're going to cover done. six episodes this time, and then that is the end of the first season. I yeah. feel like it's a real milestone for us. Yeah. We've really learned a lot about each other in this hot room. Now let's go. Here we go. go. You go first. All right. This episode is called The Chaser. And for the quick summary, it is a man who's desperately in love with a lady named Leela. Yep. He then goes to a magic potion shop and gets a love potion from a creepy old guy. Mm -hmm. Uses it on Leela. She falls too madly in love with him. Yep. And just cannot even sustain her own life. She's so dependent on him. Well, then he goes back to the creepy old man, played by old Quentin Tarantino, and he gives him glove cleaner, which is a, some kind of poison. Yeah. He's going to give it to the wife. He says, you got to do it immediately. Goes to the wife. He's going to poison her. And then lo and behold, she's preggers. And he drops the poison. And there's like he, a comedic like slide whistle sound or something almost. As he doesn't know. murder his wife and child. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he drops the poison. She calls him rabbit too, by the way, when she says that. Which is kind of strange. What was that? I didn't know if that was know. some old code for pregnant. Anyway, so he's stuck forever with a wife who loves him too much. Holy matrimony. Yeah. Forever uh, <laughs> really means forever in the Twilight Zone, I guess. So this episode, I think, is the best example yeah. of something that we brought up in episode one, which is nice try, asshole. Yep. When you first meet this guy, he's so desperately in love. Like you first, the, He's in the phone booth yeah. trying to call her, and there's like a line of people that seem like a line of people that would be in like a casting agency. There's like an old right. lady holding a big box and like some blonde bimbo. And the whatever. blonde bimbo says he doesn't even talk. He just dials. Maybe he has a dialect <laughs> is her joke. It's pretty good. No, it is not good at all. Rod Serling needs <laughs> to stick to sci-fi. Leave the jokes alone. Oh, well. But anyway, he's like so in love that he finally gets her and he like comes over. He's like kissing the door and she's like opening it a crack and she's, she's clearly night into him. Right, right. But she's pretty stuck up. She's pretty sure of herself. Yeah. She wants nothing to do with this dude. Yeah. Uh, she I, says, take a take a flying leap at the moon. <laughs> she says. Jump off the earth, she says. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. So I also wrote down in my notes that the wizard man looks like an elderly Quentin Tarantino. You did? <laughs> yes, I really did. Because I thought the exact same thing when I first saw Oh, it's saw amazing. Him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, did that make sense to you? He kept recommending like right out of the gate. Glove the old cleaner. wizard guy's like, hey, check out this glove cleaner. Forget about your... Magic glove potions, like, yeah, I got that for you, but it's super cheap. But glove cleaner, that's a thousand bucks, and you should buy that right now. Yeah, you should I don't know. Kill her right now. Yeah. And save yourself the hassle. And then, the, like, the actual love potion was only a dollar. He's like, ah, it's just common as anything. It's, she'll love you more than anything. He's talking about it like, oh, she goo goo eyes all the time and stuff. And you could tell immediately, like, don't do it. Do not do this. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. But I like the idea that the wizard has done this so many times mm -hmm. and it's always the exact same situation. You think he'd bump up the price yeah. of that love thing? Well, maybe that's you get him in cheap and then the exit costs so much. You know what I mean? Okay. Like the $1,000. Who would want to be around someone who wants to be around you? Ultimately, <laughs> I think that's the lesson of this episode. 
Uh, I thought the desperation of the guy in the beginning yep. was very well done. Maybe yep. it's just because I've been there so many times in my life. I don't know if this... It was a report. rotary dial phone, too, which had to be agonizing to keep doing that. <laughs> Fingers yeah. half falling off. Yeah, Klondike 5 operator, however they did in the old days. <laughs> the lady, once she falls under the spell, mm-hmm. is just over the top. Like She can't even like choose where to sit because mm-hmm. she needs his permission to yeah. do it. This is another example where I thought back to that time that Rod Serling appeared on screen talking about how great he is at writing women. Yeah. Saying, like, hey, when are you going to load of this woman coming up? And now this is another example of him just writing a woman that is just a nothing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, that like they did the new episodes of The Twilight Zone in the 80s. Yeah. There's one, I think, that was something similar. Yeah. That kind of that theme where a kid was like a genie or something and he wished that his mom would do whatever he wanted her to, and then she was just a complete robot. So he would have to spell out step oh, by step. Interesting. Seemed like there was a little bit of that going on here. Like, would you like me to give you a back rub? I'm going to get your slippers. I'm going to do that. You know, he was just like constantly just being yeah. bothered. Well, that's an by, interesting idea. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be an original episode that they've been remade for that one. <gasps> oh but my gosh. I do know that this episode was remade specifically for the 80s version. Really? And I guess the woman that was desperately in love uh, was the creepy high school girl from Manhattan. Have you seen that Woody mm-hmm. Allen movie? I have not. Uh, it's like it's actually like Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter. Oh, Muriel Hem- Hemingway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. there we go. I didn't understand when it went to commercial. I thought like a day had passed, but then later they revealed that it had been six oh, months. Oh, six months exactly. That's where I was too. In that crazy marriage, and, and it seemed like they were suicidal. in the same house too. Kind of. It didn't seem like they switched sets. I didn't really understand. Yeah. So, could you have lived in this environment? Yes, because she ha- she was a beautiful '60s woman. She was a beautiful '60s woman. Yeah. Even after six months of marriage and that whole thing? I like annoying girls. <laughs> so she seems perfect. Absolutely perfect. A part of me wanted this episode to get really dark and just to yeah. see how mean he could get with her. That was the thing. He always stayed really good natured about it, kind of. You could tell he's getting exasperated to the point right. where he was going to kill her. But <laughs> but in a comedic, lighthearted way. Yeah. I went back and actually listened to the wizard's speech again. I'm mm-hmm. just going to call him the wizard. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino's know. speech again in the beginning. Just to try and find out, like, does he explain that this is a death potion? It's always kind of implied, mm-hmm. but they all just call it glove cleaner. Yeah. It's the most confusing thing. I didn't know what the hell it was going to do. So in Rod Serling's closing address, he explains that love can be as unpalatable as a hunk of spoiled yeast. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up giving this episode a seven. Yeah, me too. I thought that the performances were really good in it. Yeah. I thought that Leela, the actress, did a fantastic job. Yeah. She was really cold and kind of kind of cruel when she kept slamming the door in his face and <laughs> saying she didn't like him. But yeah. Yeah, she did great. And the wizard was sitting on their porch smoking and blowing heart shit. Yeah. You like, could tell that the actor who was the wizard did not want to be up on that ladder. Because at one point he's like, this is a really rickety looking ladder oh, yeah. set. And he's like pushing away trying to get the love potion. Uh-huh. And he's like kind of moving along in the ladder. It looks like it's going to fall in any second. And he's like fumbling around for that potion. Yeah. You could tell, yeah, he just wants to get down as soon as possible. It's funny. I was reading about uh, the creation of this episode and I guess the writer uh, cited this episode as a great example of just how much freedom they had on the show because Hmm. he just wrote in his script like, yeah, and you know, the bookcases and like the potion racks, it's really, really high. And it's just like this crazy set. And then I guess Rod Sterling's like, all right, that's what you want. We'll fight CBS for it. And they just waged this war to get that crazy, you know, exaggerated look for... Most of CBS, we do short sets around here. If you don't like it, you can lump it. <laughs> cool. All right, next episode. 
A passage for trumpet. <laughs> Your worst name ever. <laughs> I had low expectations when this one started. We'll yeah. see where it goes. Well, it starts off with a guy is on top of a roof, um, fingering a trumpet, not playing it. And you see in silhouette, there's a band playing. Uh-huh. And then this guy comes out who's with the band. And he's like, hey, I recognize you. And lo and behold, we learned that the trumpet player that we were introduced to in the very beginning, he's kind of a drunk. He's kind right. of had it. When he's drunk, he's really good, but yeah. when he's sober, he sucks. So he goes to a pawn shop, sells his trumpet, and then throws himself in front of a truck. And suddenly he thinks everyone's ignoring him. He's a ghost. Yeah. He's like, goes to the movie theater lady, and she's not paying any attention to him, which seems like a common theme in the Twilight Zone. That's yes. like the first person who ignores you is the person taking, selling tickets at the movie theater. <laughs> but... Uh, so then he meets a guy who's also playing the trumpet, and he yeah. recognizes him. They have a quick conversation. Uh, you learn the guy's name is Gabe, and he's not really dead. He's kind of in the middle. So it's like you decide, do you want to live? Do you want to die? And he says, I want to live. And he comes back to life, and the guy who hit him with the truck is like, Errol, let me give you, be a good guy. I haven't had any, I haven't had any accidents. Don't talk to a doctor or nothing. <laughs> Buys his trumpet back. Credits. There we go. It's he, a beautiful he, story. That sucked. It sucked so bad. <laughs> it was, it right was, when it started yeah. out, I was like, oh, okay, this is clearly just Serling wanted to flex his muscles a little mm-hmm. bit in the writing. He's going to be this dramatic character. He's yeah. played by Jack Klugman. Yeah, yeah. Hunk yeah. of yeast, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah. The, the worst part for me is you lose me immediately because uh, you got a guy pretending to play a musical instrument, and yeah. I cannot tolerate that because you're it's just like, watching his finger you're either in or you're out because it looks like a little kid in an airband contest <laughs> you know it's it's no good and there's a scene at the beginning where he's kind of just like sucking on the end of the trumpet trumpet oh, yeah. in like a weird phallic way that's yeah, crazy and then when the gate like hey what's your name gabe i guess you could call me gabriel it's like oh there you go yeah there's that connection. halo there's a, of light from above yeah it's technically a callback i guess because he talked about like gabriel's trumpet at the beginning of the episode but yeah the actor who played gabriel also looked a lot like abraham lincoln and so the entire <laughs> time was rooting for just an absurd twist where it turns out that abraham lincoln was his guide and played the trumpet or you find the trumpet the players john wilkes booth <laughs> oh my lord god that scene of the accident when he throws himself in front of the truck Look like crap. Oh, it God, so it does a zoom shot to the lady. Yes. Her reaction. Which you see twice, actually, yeah. because when he comes back out of the weird yeah. coma limbo state, they show that stupid shot of the lady screaming one more time. Yeah. Something I didn't understand is he goes to a bar, of course. Yeah. And he pours himself a shot. As Gabriel explains, they don't know that they're ghosts yet or whatever. Yeah. So does that guy think that he's tending bar and just the shot glass is like, and do it? Or does it, is he just not paying attention? I don't know. That's a good question. I did like that twist where he wasn't dead. Everybody else was dead. Yeah. And they... It was like a reverse elegy. Yeah. I guess you could look at it that way. And they just wanted to keep them in that state because it made them more comfortable or something as they transitioned to being dead. That was a much more interesting concept than this asshole playing his trumpet. (laughs) Just focus on those people and their slow descent into realizing they're dead. That's cool. Yeah. Not this crap. And when he got drunk... Yeah. All he did was like do like an exaggerated your highness when some lady walked by and it's like, yeah. hey, you're not an awful drunk. No, it could and be you worse. Could, you could play the trumpet and just like crash on a cot. That's not a bad way to live. <laughs> also, at the end, like he comes back to life and suddenly he can play the trumpet beautifully, even when he's sober. And like Jazz. he falls in love with a lady. There's some lady on his roof that's like, oh, God. show me around town, sir. I will. If you look over there, 
There's Harlem. Look down here. There's a bridge. I don't yeah, know. He doesn't it, do that. No, but. there's no conversations about his crippling alcoholism at the end. Like, no. that's just completely glossed over. Like, oh, now he's just fine yeah. because he saw Gabriel. <laughs> so you just moved to town. You just moved. You didn't see me in front of a car recently, <laughs> did you? Okay, good. All right. I guess one of four. Yeah, I get this one a five. My notes for this one, I'm trying to keep like short notes. Yeah. Um, were four Z's symbolizing snoring. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's pretty Just easy. To... Scribble on a napkin. <laughs> that's the creepiest thing. Yeah, you know. All right. Next episode is one called Mr. Beavis. And this stars a fusion of Bill Nye the Science Guy and Jim Riley, <laughs> uh, who is kind of an oddball eccentric kids love him in the neighborhood no one else really likes him he goes into work realizes that he's getting fired his life's crumbling down around him and then he gets a magical guide again two episodes with guides in a row and the guide says like hey i've been following your ancestors i'm going to follow you i'm going to improve your life and so he changes beavis's life to be proper and prim and like you know a normal member of society beavis realizes that he hates it he wants his old wacky lifestyle back and he realizes that oddballs can be loved after all. Oh, yeah. And what an oddball. Zither music is one of his defining characteristics. What was it? He's really into zither mu- music. Is that something they talk about? Oh, yeah. They won't shut up about it. What is zither music? I don't know. So it's like a zither is like a, sty- a musical instrument. Yeah. It's apparently, even then, it was uh, passe. And he's into like taxidermy and like weird statues. It gets and- weirder because... I think it's Rod Serling's narration. Yeah, it must be in the beginning. They're like listing all the crap that Mr. Beavis is into. Oh, yeah. And they say, this is great. Kind of like, Stuffed animals, moose heads, guitars, young ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> this is an important detail, Rod. Yeah. But now he's just, he's cool. He's having a good time. Yeah, it's no big deal. It's just Beavis. <laughs> so the name stood out so much. Like, I thought, man, Mike Judge must be a fan. Yeah. Of Twilight Zone. And you must have seen this. And this is where the name Beavis comes from, from Beavis and Butthead. But I looked it up and no. No, there's a kid not. named Beavis. Some kid that Mike Judd used to know. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, there's this weird scene where he is at the top of the stairs, yeah! which are the stairs from Nightmare from a Child. Oh, yeah. That, th- those are fallen stairs. Yes. I saw those. I was like, oh, Beavis, don't do it because you're going you're gonna to see an angel. But not this time. But there's also no. impressive stunt work yes. with the dude who slides down because the kid goes, hey, what's up, Mr. Beavis? And he goes something like, well, why not? And then he slides down and racks his nuts at the end of it yeah. and rolls out into the street into oncoming traffic. Yeah. And then has kids push his car to get it started, but all the kids just look directly into the camera as they're running by. Oh, yeah. And then they're treated as a reward. Here's a bunch of exhaust just right in your faces. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned the taxidermy. Like, his desk is just covered in weird animals. And, like, the boss is kind of walking by looking at his desk and we're supposed to be sympathetic to Beavis at this point, but it's so weird that this guy's into taxidermy that I feel more on the boss's side of things. Well, he shows in, he's like way late, and everyone yeah. he works with is just totally cool with it. Yeah. And he's got like, his desk is like the Bates Motel, <laughs> and his, his boss is like, your numbers don't add up, uh, you're doing all this silly crap. You have weird racist clocks on your desk. I want it at the carnival. <laughs> he's, he wears like a plaid suit and a bow tie just to give you a visual. Yeah. And, uh, I was really rooting against Beavis the entire time. Yeah, when he was cool, Beavis. Yeah. Eh, whatever. That's so great. <laughs> he His car is parked outside. Right. It apparently is hooked under the bumper of another car. It's not like it's a tow truck. It's just no. the bumper's locked up. And so the first car takes off. 
His car then takes off with it and then rolls and is totaled. And the and cop is just upset, like, way to go, douchebag. He's just the worst <laughs> cop in the world, just the biggest dick, where he just, like, blames Beavis for his uh-huh. car being attached to this other car's bumper. Yeah. Like, it's his fault, and then just no help whatsoever. Yeah, and, he, and then, like, we learned that Beavis had lost, this is, like, what, the sixth job in 11 months or the 11th job in, I don't know. And yeah. he changes jobs frequently. Apparently, he was six months overdue in rent. Yeah. That's what was going on. So when he came home... With all of his stuff after getting fired, no car, he had been evicted. Right, right. So the second chance was kind of a, a big deal. He, I don't know, it seemed really boring. And but then he didn't like a, it. Yeah, he didn't like it. He had like a cool car. The kids yeah. weren't really into him, which is like, eh. Yeah, those young ladies were no longer looking at him. Yeah, exactly. The forbidden fruit of <laughs> Mr. Beavis. Sheesh. I like the detail that you get a guardian angel mm-hmm. if you do something daring or brave. So that's why he yeah. had one because his ancestors just kept doing super brave things. Right. They ran down all of them like, oh, your great uncle stormed the beaches of Normandy. Yeah, and it was him, like the same actor with yeah. stupid costumes. Of course, yeah. But, yeah. So the idea is that like the guardian angel accepts Beavis as well. And just you have to factor in like all of heaven apparently accepts Beavis and his wacky child molesting ways in oh, this come on. strange universe. Hey, look, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions here. But I like the part. It's one for the ages. Just some people hang out with kids. You yeah. know what I mean? That's it. It's yeah, not a big right. deal. Jeez. <laughs> but uh, the angel implies that like, uh, you know, the big guy upstairs was a fan of when you brought those Christmas carolers into the office. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a fun little yeah. detail. But yeah. it couldn't save the episode overall. It's like a nightmare place to work. <laughs> you get this joker. So I gave this one a five. Really? I gave it a six. Wow. Yeah. What one, is that? One whole point. You're not sick of the guide structure yet for every episode? I don't know. I, li- I like that clock that he won at the carnival with the <laughs> scary eyes. Yeah. All right. Next one. The after hours. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Big one. I don't know if I can do this one quickly. I'm going to try. to. Okay. Woman in a department store. She's kind of walking around aimlessly. She wants to go find a thimble for her mom. She takes the elevator up to the ninth floor, which is abandoned uh-huh. like elevator guy leaves her there's only one person there on the floor she's acting super weird they only happen to have one item on that floor it happens to be a gold thimble she goes right. down after buying it it's super strange exchange oh no it's scratched and everything yeah wait a second that floor doesn't exist the management tells her when she tries to make an exchange then she passes out because she sees the lady and the lady was a mannequin she comes to the store is closed keeps hearing voices and as it turns out she herself is a mannequin, and what happens is the mannequins take turns. They get to go into the human world once every, like, once a month. Yeah, they get one month. One month out of the year, yeah, and they rotate, and she was, like, a day due, and then it was the lady, another lady's turn, she leaves, and then she's a mannequin. And everyone's happy for her. Ta-da! Yeah. The after hours. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of this episode. I liked, in the beginning... How I had seen this one before. Had you seen mm-hmm. it before? Yeah. So you knew Long the time twist ago. coming yeah. up. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how obvious it would be mm-hmm. on the first time viewing it because it, it does a pretty good job right in the beginning of staying nice and vague. Like she doesn't right. know what's going on. She's always yeah. a little bit confused when they ask her something about her past, but mm-hmm. not. It's in a very subtle way. It's not in the over over the top Twilight Zone way where it's oh god I can't remember anything. She's just like I think this is what I need, but everything's just a little bit yeah. off throughout the entire episode. Right. And when she goes up onto that ninth floor and the lady sells her the thimble, she goes like, she has this line where she goes, well, you, well, you may be a little more sophisticated than I am, but this I call <laughs> odd. Yeah. 
And exactly. Like, oh, no, nope, just ignore it. And then I was confused about that. She just like fell asleep on the couch. Well, she was gonna. She passed out. Yeah. And the store like employees they put her on the couch, and there was some confusion because like another boss came in and said, "We're closing down. It's time." So in that confusion, all the employees left. Right. Right. Because the woman had said like, "Oh, she's over in my office or whatever." And then she like presses her face up against the door. And is like screaming for help because she she's that was a cool shot. It's so awesome. Then it shoots from the other side of the door. Yeah. It's that weird kind of pixelated, distorted yeah. look. Yeah, yeah, I thought that it looked awesome. Yeah, and then the entire time she's wandering around in this department store at night, which Marcia. is already oh, it's so Marcia. creepy. And there's no music throughout that entire yeah. scene. It was just the mannequin slowly whispering are. her name. What but are you doing? It's a little Toy Story esque. Like, why don't Ugh. the mannequins just come alive and stop scaring their oh, friends? Oh, and they got their scary faces. Yeah, the one dude's. Stupid arm moves at a certain point for the <laughs> ultimate scary bit. And then she goes up in the elevator and the elevator doors open and that lady's standing right there. Yeah. This, I think, takes the cake from... Originally, it was a roller coaster episode with Maya the Cat Girl mm-hmm. and then it was Nightmare of a Child. But I yeah. think this is my new freakiest episode. This, I have to say, that's my weak spot. Yeah. Are like ventriloquist dummies <laughs> and mannequins. Okay. And like disembodied eyeballs. That's a, That's a different one. But like... That just really gets me. And they kept doing those creepy shots. Yeah. And those completely fucked up skiers. Yes. With those ski masks with the most terrifying things I've ever seen. That wasn't a real fashion thing back then, was it? I don't know. I didn't know what the hell. Oh, it was like my God. a weird Mexican wrestler ski mask. And like the weird nose, pointy nose. It was awful. There's a <laughs> shot where both of them are in the frame at the same time. Yeah. Oh my lord! Right. And there's a moment too when they all wave off. Like it gets this kind of like lighthearted tone when it's like, "Okay, it's your turn. See you later, guys. I'll see you in a month." And everyone yeah. goes and waves goodbye. And one of the skiers does the dopiest like <laughs> la 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 floppy wrist thing. But still, it was burned in my mind. Like that guy's scary. So we were talking uh, before we recorded this, before we finished watching all of those, and you were saying like, "Oh man, in this bunch, mm-hmm. there is one moment mm-hmm. that really stands out as being." absolutely crazy and so as i was watching it yeah this was the first moment where i thought is this what quirk's talking about those creepy skiers no okay <laughs> there's still a moment there's yeah. only a couple that could be coming yeah. up in the other episodes but i'm looking forward to figure out yeah. what the hell you were talking about because you can't do that to somebody because i just watched every episode then thinking like is this the scene like this oh, is crazy I, did. Uh, yeah. I ended up giving after hours an eight really yeah. on this one here's what i wrote my notes on this one my Twilight Zone scale, I give it a 10. This is like a fantastic episode. I thought you were going I the other way for it. a second. Love this episode. It certainly stands out in this batch of crap. This is like this is one of those episodes where if, if someone's like, Twilight Zone, you know, that's like a sci-fi thing or whatever. Yeah. This is one that I would show someone without any hesitation being like, this summarizes, I think, like the best of the show. Everything that's great about fantastic. it. Fantastic. I think performances are really good. There's uh-huh. a really creepy sense of unease throughout the whole yeah. thing and then it does the thing too which is another like super creepy thing for me is when you see a person and then you see them in mannequin form yeah which i know that we see this later there's like an episode later on i want to get into it no i, yeah. I have seen it that does the same thing and that's creep city they as do well. a pretty good job of she making looks mannequin. really good yeah so i think yeah. the mole helps on the face and whatnot but her eyes were a little bit yeah. off in the final shot as it slowly slowly zoomed in on yeah. her dumb face yeah and then like the that creepy captain, pretty good. Oh captain. yeah, yeah. But then the employee at the department store, like, 
just breaks the fourth wall, looks into the camera as he notices the mannequin is mm-hmm. the lady he helped the previous day. And Can we talk about the manager for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, oh, <laughs> there is no ninth floor. Yeah, a lot of shameless mugging with him. Uh, I don't know, like, if the actor, when he read it, was kind of yeah, like, yeah. he's fussy. Yeah. And was just like, okay, I'm going to play him as, you know, a fruity guy. <laughs> Trying to steal the show away from the mannequins. Exactly. And he just yeah. makes these like prissy faces like <clears throat> a lot of that going on. It's yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. All right. Next episode is called The Mighty Casey. It is about a baseball team. Yep. It frames it as if it takes the Zephyrs. place. Yeah. There we go. The Hoboken Zephyrs. Yep. And it takes place in the past, right? And so, you know, crappy baseball team. They set up the premise. The coach is down on his luck. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Suddenly... A pitcher tries out who's escorted by a strange old man Mm -hmm. and the pitcher is unbelievably good turns out the pitcher is a robot Mm -hmm. Uh, they go on a winning streak and then the doctor says that because he's a robot he can't play on the team and so they give him a heart which makes him not a robot right but then since he has a heart he learns empathy and he doesn't want to make the other teams lose Mm -hmm. so he doesn't want to pitch anymore and the team disbands Ta-da. There we go. So another moment that I thought, is this the shot Quark's talking about? <laughs> is when that the tall, dopey robot pitcher walks up and there's a dumb shot of him just looking around and the ball slowly comes in and hits him on the head. And he just has a dopey expression throughout the entire thing. And I thought, oh, that's funny. Is that what, is that so funny to Cork that he would say it's a standout moment? Uh-uh. All right. Apparently it's not. No. Nope. I also thought you'd get a kick out of every time he pitched his curveball that used a slide whistle. That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Oh, they look at their watch for the slow ball. Like, can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Why are slow balls tough to hit? Wouldn't they be Because you to anticipate hit? like a regular speed, I'm assuming. But if they're going so slow, as they imply, wouldn't that just be the part? Would it just be like hitting it off a tee? I suppose you could recover from your initial. Str- well, I guess you do your strike, and that's that. So you don't get to keep swinging at it. Oh. Maybe. Uh, Look, we don't know not anything a, not about a baseball, baseball guy. <laughs> so did you know exactly where this episode was going? No. I, mean, I thought it was like Frankenstein's monster at first because okay. the guy was clearly being led around by like this brainiac. Yeah. And he had that vacant look on his face and immediately gets beamed. And it's just like, boink. They even, they like a newspaper flies yeah. in the screen later and it says like, oh, Casey got beamed. And that's why he had to go to the hospital and the doctor realized that mm-hmm. he was a robot. Do you know what that means? What, I beamed? Know, yeah. Oh, getting hit. I never heard that expression right, in the head of the baseball. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, apparently I'm an idiot. That's all right. That's all right. So, uh, the actor who plays the coach, did he look familiar to you? No. Come on, Cork. You're losing your edge. He's the guy from The Lonely. He's the guy that's stranded on the asteroid. It's the same dude. What? Yeah. It's the same actor. Really? But I did a little reading about this one. <gasps> and the interesting detail is that they shot this entire episode yeah. with an actor who was breathing heavily as they were shooting it. And right after they finished shooting, the guy had a heart attack and died. And so Rod Serling wanted to go back and reshoot the entire episode because he realized that when they aired it, mm-hmm. that was all everybody was going to think about was like, oh God, this actor died immediately after this. And it would ruin yeah. kind of like the lighthearted atmosphere of the yeah. entire episode because it's a very jokey episode. Oh, it's the jokiest. So they brought in this actor who they'd worked out okay. with before on The Lonely. It would have made sense if it was the guy who... All he was doing was jumping jacks for like the first 10 minutes of the episode in the background. Yeah. And then like the coach walks by and was like, all right, I see you. Stop trying to impress me. Kind yeah. Of thing. And then the, the like lame pitcher would 
like get the like gammy leg or something <laughs> after he'd pitch he'd like his leg would straighten out and then he'd like yeah. rub it oh oh boy what a bunch of losers i did like when he met the robot for the first time he shakes his hand and there's just like this weird scene of yeah his hand Oy. cracking and him just like moaning and then it like fades out to commercial and then fades back in and he's still shaking the guy's hands oh and he's just he just rubs it yeah for a long time afterward. It's yeah. Like, okay, we get it. This guy's real strong. And so he tries to keep it secret that this dude's a robot. Right. Because he realizes that robots probably aren't allowed in the league. Yeah. And then the best part of though is that like they bring him to a doctor mm-hmm. and he's at the doctor's office for a while with a doctor like, you know, shining the light in his yeah. eyes on that crap. Still not realizing that he's a robot. Like it takes to the point of the doctor using his stethoscope to realize mm-hmm. he doesn't have a heart before he realizes that this thing is actually a robot which what's well, even better than that in the background is like a tin man style oil can <laughs> in that shot really yeah like why was that in the doctor's office <laughs> okay I like the the, uh, the guy who built the robot looked at the doctor at a certain point and he goes he's a robot and the doctor goes are you sure like, of course i yeah. i, I built him <laughs> yeah that's so dorky yeah uh, and the heart from what I mean, we could only hear it. It sounded like a watch. It didn't sound like a thump, yeah. Thump, I was waiting thump, for the thump like thump a, of a heart. Ticket ticket ticket. Yeah. Like, something that makes a like repetitive sound is good enough for Major League Baseball? Yeah. In the Twilight Zone. Did you think this episode was funny? I would say that it had like a really good natured feel. Uh-huh. It wasn't funny. It was like like a lot of Disney cartoons. I think you know what I mean. Like it's just kind of sure. like oh okay that's nice. It was a little on the nose. Yeah. There's a one bit where he's spelling out the word robot, the coaches. R-O-B-B-O-T-T. Is that, right? was that supposed to be funny? Just like emphasizing that he's a, a dumb baseball guy? I don't know. Also, one of the guys calls him a robot, which I am a big robot. fan of. I don't know when that fell out of fashion. When did people forget the robot and just go with robot? I don't know. Because we need to bring that back. Remember Mr. Show, he had a friendly robot. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. funny, wacky way of saying it. Uh. So I guess originally mm-hmm. this was going to star uh, the Dodgers back when they were on the East Coast because it's very confusing at the end. They imply that like the oh, team is, he get, Yeah, he got the plans. He got the plans to build more Casey the Robots. Right. But then the idea is that the team was disbanded and it kind of formed up on the West Coast as another team that they left vague mm-hmm. kind of trying to imply like, oh, some people in the current baseball league are robots. And I guess that was the idea is they wanted it to hint... That it was then the was it the L.A. Dodgers is that yeah yeah After, when they moved to the West Coast I guess they had an amazing pitching team and that was kind of like the inside joke about the whole thing huh. was that they wanted to imply that those people were robots a man died for that shitty joke <laughs> jeez all right I ended up giving this one a five yeah I give it a six okay yeah not not much more to say about it not really I did I did think it was kind of funny whenever they showed the like. The pitching, uh-huh. they cut out right, like, uncomfortably early. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. it didn't show the ball ever leaving his hand. You'll get that moment where you feel like, okay, I don't need to see what the ball actually does because it's uh-huh. going to do stupid crap, like yeah. with a slide whistle. But he would just, like, pull back like he was getting ready to it. You wouldn't see anything close to pitching. It's just the actor was apparently so bad in his form of pitching that you could tell at a certain point they had to cut it way before that. Yeah, or something. Yeah. I noticed that too. That was really weird. But then he learned to feel togetherness. So everything was okay in the world. And he became a social worker. And he got a big dopey smile. Yeah, there we go. All right, next one is A World of His Own. This All right. This is on you, man. A best-selling playwright 
hanging out with the lady. She's making a martini. Is it perfect? It's delicious. Uh-huh. Suddenly, horrible shrew of a wife <laughs> peeks through the window and connives her way into her own home, catches her husband in the act. The woman is gone. What happened? They have this back and forth. Well, come to find out, he's able to bring characters from his plays into real life by speaking into his uh, like voice transcriber thing. She doesn't believe him. She tries to leave. He summons an elephant using the thing. She still doesn't believe it. She's going to take him for all he's worth. Uh-huh. So he says, oh, you want to do this? Because he gets rid of the characters by burning like the piece of uh, audio, audio tape. tape. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, whatever, whatever. So she he opens a safe. It has her name on it. Uh-huh. And then she dares him to, or she flings it in the fire. And then she says, oh, I don't feel good. Poof. She disappears. And then he sits down and starts transcribing Mary, describing Mary, the woman from the very beginning, the lovely character with blonde hair mm-hmm. and a pleasing disposition, nice figure, attractive haircut, uh, full blouse All or right, a don't blouse get creepy and an old timey blouse yeah. and a brooch and a peasant skirt. He just yeah. <laughs> Scene. But wait. <laughs> But wait, is this the moment <laughs> this you're talking about? This is the moment. About? All right, all right. This okay. has to be the moment. So then the awesome twist at the end of this episode. Super double twist. Is that Rod Serling. Does, is, his, does his outro. Does his outro and he appears on camera in episode for the first time. Yep. This is the first appearance. We finally got there. And the twist is that Gregory Watts or whatever his name yeah. is, the playwright, then says, hold on a second there, Rod. Because Rod says... It says something like the whole concept is ludicrous, but only in the Twilight Zone or something. Right, right. And then he burns the tape that says Rod Serling, and Rod Serling says, that's the way it goes. <laughs> and <he> fades out. <laughs> and so I guess the idea is that within the world of the Twilight Zone, if you want to take this super literally, hmm. is that... Gregory, the playwright, is writing every episode of The Twilight Zone. Isn't that what it implies? If he created yeah. Rod Serling, and Rod Serling is supposedly the creator of the oh. show and introduces every it could episode. could very well be. So it's all a framed narrative based yeah. on this playwright who is fond of red-eyed elephants. Red-eyed elephants <laughs> and guardian angels. <laughs> Personification of death. Jesus. This morning I was thinking again about this episode. Like This entire episode just takes place in that one room. Yeah. Well, you see like hallway with... The elephant, very yeah. briefly. And that a one super room, tortured elephant. Is that the same room from 16 millimeter Shrine? I didn't go over it too closely. Mm, but Which room was that? Like the, the sh- main like viewing room that she was in? No, I don't think so. Okay. No. But yeah, the audio tape was a weird detail. Like, why wouldn't it be him typing it out and then burning the pages? Like, I wonder if that's the way Rod Serling wrote, was just like recorded his voice maybe on tape. Maybe it just seemed like super badass when he could do that, you know? Just to speak it out loud, maybe it's better on camera? Yeah, because then he could describe it. Otherwise, instead of just, like, licking his fingers, going, tap, 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 Mary yeah. is a... I guess you know. so. And so the twist is that, yeah, his wife is also one of his creations, but I'm still confused about, like, she doesn't really remember being created because it was so long ago, but he implies that, like, this is the first time that she has broken free. Yeah, because all of his characters at some point would disobey him. That's how he knew that he had a good character. Right. And right. she was awful. But yeah, I like that we're immediately on the side of the guy who's cheating on his wife just because they make the wife just such a this wacky character who's trying to catch him in his lies. Yeah, just just a window peeper. And so she finds out or she he like begins to tell her about Mary and they're all fully in the know and she realizes that she's a character or like mm-hmm. is trying to understand this concept. And 
Greg, Gregory, <laughs> the playwright, just keeps saying like, we'll work it out. Like, we'll work it out between the three of us. Oh, he's kind of implying that maybe he's trying to get some weird threesome or some sort of complicated marriage going on. It's a, it, I know that it's not fully explained. Couldn't he just start over and go, Mary, attractive frame, pleasing face, into open marriage, <laughs> exactly. brooches, and yeah. long skirts? It'd be so easy. Yeah. This guy's God, and he's blowing it. He's blowing it in a pretty significant way. He's pretty yeah. much the loneliest dude when you think about it. Do you notice by his fireplace, there's a little picture, and it looked like uh, Kim Jong-il with a guitar. Really? <laughs> I'm not joking. I missed that. Uh, Gregory himself reminded me of Walt Disney. Oh. A certain Walt Disney sweater-esque look. Yeah. And what'd you end up giving this one, Cork? I gave this one I gave this one an eight. I thought it was kind of a cute concept. I liked... Again, I think performances, I think they need to be, I'm hoping like future seasons, they kind of ease off on the horrible wife character because they're really getting a lot of mileage out of that one. Yeah, that is a strong recurring theme. I ended up giving this one a seven. Yeah? It mainly, I think three of those points came from the twist with Rod Serling. I will end. say though. Yeah. The moment that Rod Serling plants his ass on that desk. Yeah. That ending, I give that a 10. That moment there. Because it's, it's so stupid. It's the dumbest thing. It's it's like aggressively dumb. It is it's, outstanding that they like must have he must have thought he was so cute when yeah. he wrote that. Oh, just the best. And this really has me thinking, like, if he didn't want to get across this crappy joke about him being burned alive and disappearing or whatever, mm-hmm. would he have appeared on camera? I'm assuming in the second season, I haven't watched it yet, but I assume the second season is when he's going to start being on camera yeah, for every assume. episode. Yeah. And so did that all start just because he wanted to get this joke across? Yeah, it could very well be. Did people back then know who he was? I don't, I don't know. I think I'd be I, confused. Yeah. Maybe like, who's this? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? This, this episode's already confusing. Who is this guy yeah. sitting on the desk? Now, one of the episodes of this batch, too, I don't recall which one, um, had a different opening title sequence as well. Well, what's interesting is, yeah, I guess several of them do have different opening title sequences, but when you're rolling through them on Netflix, Mm -hmm. it always automatically skips the intro. So I don't know if some previous ones have had that new opening, which I guess was the season two opening that they then put back on the season one episodes Hmm. for some reason when it was being rebroadcast. Uh, so they could have happened earlier. We just couldn't have caught it because it skips it. Uh, so that's it for the first season, man. First season. So I think next episode, yeah. we're going to be doing something a little special. It's a weird bonus episode. We're going to do the uh, the first annual uh, Franklin Awards where we're going to award prizes. Not really prizes, but we're going to... Uh, yeah, so we're going to call it the Franklins. Right. And we're going to come up with a bunch of different categories and give out awards for the best episodes, the worst episodes, standout scenes... And Cork and I are going to be spitballing some really dumb kind of... Uh, no. No. Smart. Super smart <laughs> kind of special awards. Absolutely. What would you call those? Awards of distinction. There we go. Yes. For standout moments and scenes and everything yeah. like that. So, so maybe in the comments, if there's anything that you have, have you've been playing along at home, if there's something that stands out to you, like a fun category and a winner, yeah. if you want to put those down in the comments, uh, feel free to, and we may give you a little shout out. Yeah. What was your one example, Cork? Is like most... Uh, most hysterical woman. Most I hysterical think. woman, yeah. Mine was like best uh, rapid zoom. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. If you got any wacky ideas, be sure to let us know and then we're going to record that one and post it. It'll probably yeah. be pretty short. But Best misogyny, I think, would be a pretty good one. That's going to be a, a pretty full category. Does the elephant yes. count? Yeah. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time in the Twilight Highlight Zone. Twilight. Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs>